reading is Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it please the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have letters to Asaph, the keeper of the royal, of the royal house, um, the keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber and make him beams for the gates in the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will, I will occupy. And because of the precious hand of God was, was on me, the king granted my request. So I went to the, the governor of the Trans-Euphrates and gave him the, the, the king's letters. The king had had his army, then the officers and cavalry with me. When Sambalat, the Hororite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no mount with me except the one I was riding. Amen. Thank you very much, Juliet. If you've got your Bibles, just hang on to them, leave them open, and uh, we're going to be looking through this particular passage. Now, if you were here last week or if you managed to catch up online, uh, you'll know that we left Nehemiah very much on his knees. Um, and he's been there a very, very long time. You might remember that uh, he was asking God to turn the rubble of the walls of Jerusalem uh, into revival for the nation. That, that was his heart. That, that was what he'd understood. From the moment when uh, his brothers had come from Jerusalem and, and Nehemiah had asked them, what's going on, what's going on? It was from that moment that his heart was burning for something to happen, that out of the rubble would come revival for his nation. Now, he just kept on praying. 
And uh, he kept on being the cupbearer cup to the king as well. That, that was all he did. He didn't immediately go anywhere. He just started to pray. And he carried on doing his job, the job that he'd done very successfully for a, a period of time. But he comes to a point where the future starts to happen. And I guess that's, that's one of the key learnings from this particular chapter is there will come a point where something has to change. That praying and praying and praying is absolutely the right thing to do. But there comes a point when something else has to happen as well. And the final sentence in chapter 1 began to, to come into reality for him. The final, the final sentence says, Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And for four months, we're told, he kept praying this prayer. Give me favor. Give me favor when I go in to see the king. Every day he'd go in to see the king. Give me favor today. Give me favor to the king today. Is this going to be the moment? Is this going to be the day when I get to see what God wants me to do? And so I want to talk about what happened next in Nehemiah chapter 2. And I want us to think about three things out of this passage. The first thing I want to think about is prayer. The second thing I want to think about is prophecy. And the third thing I want to think about is practice. I tried really hard to get three PRs there, and I made it. Prayer, prophecy, and practice. And those are the three things I want us to think about throughout this chapter. So we read that it was the month of Nisan. Now I'm told that this was four months after, after he'd started. So for, let's say, 120 days... For 120 days, Nehemiah has been on his knees, he's been crying tears, he's been doing, getting up off his knees, doing his job, waiting and waiting and waiting for God to answer his prayer. The same prayer, the same eagerness to do something about it, that hadn't been diminished. That burning in his heart that something needed to be done kept on burning within his heart every single day. He was exasperated at the situation. I guess he felt powerless. Perhaps he felt a bit angry. Perhaps he felt regret that he hadn't done anything. Maybe guilt that he was the one who was okay in, in Babylon, whereas his people were living in disgrace. Why hadn't revival come after 120 days? Why hadn't God done something uh, during all that time? The rubble was still there. Why? Have you ever prayed that sort of prayer? Have you ever asked God, why aren't you answering my prayer? Why aren't you resolving this situation for me? This is what I'm praying about. I prayed for it every day, every day. And some of you have been praying for much longer than 120 days for some of the things that God has laid on your heart. But the challenge is we have to keep on. We have to keep on praying those prayers. Even if we get bored of them, God is never going to get bored of them because he sees your heart and he sees a, a child who is desperately asking for something, for him to do something in this situation. And I think what we learn over that time, and maybe what is it vital for us to know, is that God's pace may be different from our preferences. That God's speed in answering a prayer may be different from what we would prefer. But we still have to keep on. And I'm guessing that Nehemiah would have kept on praying for more than 120 days, but there was a day in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, there was a day when God came through in that moment. And he knew that this was the moment when he would be given favor. So imagine that day. Imagine going to work that day. Going to work feeling, God, is this the day? Is this the day when something is going to happen? I've been praying for all this time. Is this the day? That sense of expectation. And for 119 days, he's gone home disappointed. 
because nothing has changed. But on this day, this one day, he begins to see. It's just a routine day. He's doing the same thing that he's always done in the presence of the king. He's drunk the king's wine and he's ate the king's food. Anybody like a job like that? Well, until the day when it's poisoned, of course, and then it becomes the worst job in the world. And it says in the text that he he had served the king the wine. So he'd already had a taste of it. I guess that was a bit Dutch courage. Do you think that was? I'm going to have a drink before I actually do this, you know? I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that for any of you when you go to work tomorrow morning, you've got something difficult to face. Don't, 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 Don't do that before you go. But he had this moment. And the king asks this key question. A question that he'd never asked him before. Why are you so sad? Nehemiah had never been sad in the king's presence before. In fact, he wasn't allowed to be sad in the king's presence. That wasn't his job. The king obviously was a bit concerned because Nehemiah's face didn't look so great. So did that mean that the wine this day or the food this day was actually poisoned? And in fact, Nehemiah was ill. Well, that wasn't the case. But the king notices. The text says, I had not been sad in the king's presence before. So tomorrow morning when you go to work, you go to college, you go to to your, your lecture at uni... No time to be sad, okay? Have you ever been sad on a Monday morning when you've gone into work, have you? Nehemiah hadn't until this day. I had never been sad in the king's presence before. Wow, what a, what a testimony to, to, to share. But this day, this 120 days of praying, this 120 days of, of coming before God and longing for an answer had moved to his face on this particular day. The distress in his heart he couldn't stop showing on his face. And the, when the king asked, Nehemiah didn't just say, well, I'm fine. Everything's going great, even though I don't look great. But today was the day. And the impossible actually began to happen. The king was about to give him permission. Was about to be part of answering that prayer. And Nehemiah, seemingly heart softened by God, spotted the moment to actually move this story forward. In Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 1, it says, In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. Even a king can have his heart softened by Almighty God. Even a boss (laughs) can have their heart softened. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. And these four months of prayer have now come to this point of looking like an answer. Perhaps Nehemiah used to approach the king in fear and trepidation but now it seems he'd lost the fear of the king and he'd lost the fear of the problem that he was facing as well that now as a result of this prayer this desire to see the nation revived was now becoming the driving force in his life 
this was what God had called him to do. Because I think how you pray shapes what you say. How you pray shapes what you say. That what, what's going on in those private places, it affects that public space that you're living in as well. And so when we pray, it begins to change us. It changes our hearts, it changes our minds, it changes our words, it changes how we, we approach the tasks that we're given, even if it is the same task every day, until that moment when God has something different to show us and say, right, now is the time. You are ready for the next stage in how I want to use you to see the rubble turn into revival. Now you're ready. You know what, some of you, you're amazing prayers. Most Christians I talk to, they, they say, you know what, I wish I could pray better. I wish I could, my prayers could make a difference. I wish I was more methodical about it. I wish I did it every day. Well, I think this is the challenge that, that for me comes out of Nehemiah about how persistent am I in prayer? How regular, how, how much are my prayers making a difference to me, to how I see what God wants to do next? And I think in the conversation that Nehemiah has, I think you see the difference his prayers have made. Because with boldness now, he approaches the king, doesn't he? The king says, what is it you want? I mean, that is the opening. Now, do you take it or do you resist it again? What is it you want? The king asks him. And so Nehemiah prayed to the God of heaven. I love that short phrase. He'd been praying for 120 days and now he prays to the Lord of heaven. These four months of prayer are now turned into four seconds of opportunity. But he was ready, you see, because of his consistency, because he'd been praying. And so he prayed to the Lord of heaven. What a great place to start your prayers, isn't it? Reminds me a bit of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us, where it starts, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's the sort of starting point, the launch pad. He prayed to the God of heaven. And when you start your prayers praying to the God of heaven, when you launch your prayers praying to our Father who is in heaven, then I think it begins to change you and changes your perspective on what, what is to come as well. You know, the, the disciples, the one time they said to ask Jesus to teach them something was about prayer. Teach us to pray. That was all they asked him, to teach them. Teach us to pray. Why? Because they saw in the life of Jesus this was the most important thing that a follower of Jesus could do. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray, our Father who art in heaven. Teach me to pray that this kingdom is not my kingdom that I'm building. I'm building your kingdom, God. That's, I think that's what Nehemiah knew in that moment. He knew that what he was doing was part of God's kingdom plan for revival. This was nothing about him. But he only knew that because he'd consistently prayed it in the secret place. The Lord's Prayer goes on to say, God, will you give me what I need for today? And I love Nehemiah. When the king says, you know, what, what is it I can do for you? Well, here's the list, king. Here's the list. This is what I want. I want a letter to this person. I want a letter to that person. I want protection. And the king says, yes, you can have it all. There's an understanding, you see, that 
that when we come to pray, when we pray, give us today our daily bread, when we say, God, I could really do with daily bread today, I could really do with, with this from you, God says, well, yes, you can have this. I see your heart. I recognize, God, that everything comes from you. And I think Nehemiah didn't go off on his own because he knew he couldn't do it on his own. He needed God's provision coming through the king as well. And so our sense of arrogance sometimes that, you know, we're going to fix it all. Or our our sense of entitlement that we deserve it. Or our our sense of, of superiority that I'm the one who can do it suddenly gets diminished when we come before God and say, God, would you provide for me? I recognize it comes from you. Everything I have comes from you. So what we say is shaped by how we pray. And I think this happened clearly to Nehemiah, who in chapter 1 didn't know what to do about the situation. By chapter 2, he understands that this is God's issue that he can be involved in. Without prayer, you won't change anything. But with prayer, as Nehemiah teaches us, then it changes everything. Jesus said, didn't he, that what comes out of our mouth starts in our hearts. And when our hearts begin to be shaped by our relationship with God through prayer, then what we say begins to have impact in the lives of others. So if we want to see uh, revival in our nation instead of rubble, then I think we have to pray. If we want to see it happen in our communities, in our families, in in our schools, in our colleges, in our universities, then I think we have to pray. And maybe for some of you that are struggling with prayer, some of you who, who don't pray or haven't prayed at all, start with the Lord's Prayer. It's a fantastic model, isn't it? A great template to begin to pray. And you know what? It'll only take you 10 seconds, 20 seconds to pray it. But you know what? As you pray it every day, as you pray those words every day, you will feel something changing in your life. You're going to work a different person. You'll approach people who you struggle with differently because you begin to pray. And so perhaps for you, if you need to take up a challenge of prayer because you know that you, know, you can do better, that was everything they wrote on my school report, doing well, did you have that one as well? Could do better. Well, start praying it, 20 seconds. And you know what? Maybe that will turn into 20 minutes. And who knows, that might turn into two hours as well. Not the time, the length of time is going to get you any more favor, but you will enjoy being in the Father's presence. And you will know the Father's voice, and you will know what to say. But then I think what we have to do with prayer is it doesn't stay there. I think the prayer that we pray then becomes... moves to the prophetic as well. Four months of praying for four seconds of prophesying. Four, Four months of speaking to God, four seconds of speaking for God into the situation that he faced. Speaking God's word into the king's ear. Because that's what prophecy is really, isn't it? Prophecy is about giving God's perspective on a situation. Understanding what God is saying to you through your time of prayer and then speaking that out into the situation you find yourself in. 
I don't think it's any more complicated than that, to be honest. But it's only as we pray that we can then become the, the voice, the speaker, speak the prophetic over whatever is happening. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. That was his word. That was the word of God that had come to Nehemiah that he's now speaking into a historic situation to a pagan king and saying, this is the word of the Lord. This is what God has to say to you, king, today. And I'm going to speak it to you. I think that's such a powerful witness into our workplaces, to our colleagues, to our families, to people within the church gathering when we speak God's words into other people's lives. Four months on his knees enables Nehemiah to stand with boldness in front of the king because he's got a clear understanding and perspective as to what has to happen next. And in a heartbeat, the king responds, it pleased the king to send me. Wow. It pleased the king to send me. It's as if God has been at work in the king's heart as well in advance, preparing the ground, working out his great plan of salvation for his people. And Nehemiah's boldness and confidence in that moment opens up the king's heart and God uses him into the future. You know, those words from Isaiah that I, I read at the beginning, that prophet Isaiah talks about Cyrus. There's another king that God used. Cyrus didn't, wasn't aware of it at the time, but God used Cyrus to fulfill his, God's purposes. And this is the beauty of God, isn't it? He's not confined just to those people who, who honor him. God has the power to change hearts long before we come into the situation. But when we're obedient to speak his word into the places where God has already been at work, that's where revival begins to happen in somebody's life and in a community, in a nation. I wonder if Nehemiah had ever imagined that the king would be the one to help him. I wonder if there are people around you who you can never imagine would be part of something that God has planned. And yet, and yet maybe, he's going to use you to speak words into somebody's life. And that will be the catalyst for them to enable God to use them as well. Maybe Nehemiah felt trapped by his job. I can't do anything. I'm just the cupbearer of the king. How can I go to Jerusalem? I have no building skills. I, don't know, I wouldn't even know where to start. Perhaps he felt trapped, and maybe you do as well. You're trapped by other people's opinions or what other people have said about you in the past or maybe the confines you feel in the job that you're in or the life that you're living. But God has other plans for you. Because once the word of the Lord comes, 
then suddenly we begin to see what God has in store. He could have just carried on in the job he was in, drinking the wine and tasting the food. But God had his hand on him. And Nehemiah heard the voice of the Lord. And God spoke it through him. And history went God's way. And his plans were fulfilled. You know, they tried to rebuild the walls before in Jerusalem. Just a few years before, you can read about it in Ezra chapter 4. They tried to rebuild the walls, but they stopped. Now God had opened up another king's heart so that his plans would be fulfilled. You know, when God makes something clear to you, I, I think in Christianese we call it a burden. You feel a burden. You feel a heavy weight that something has to be done about something. And that weight gets heavier and heavier. The Holy Spirit presses that weight upon you. And you know it's you he has his hand upon. And there's a moment when you suddenly say, God, I'm available to you. Use me, won't you? And maybe God is pressing something in on you. Maybe God's pressing something in on you that you know you have to do something about. So speak it out. Is it just me? Or is this something God is sharing with other people? The king responded when he heard. Begin to shape it as well. What, what's the next steps for me? If this is something God has in store for me, what's the next step? Nehemiah said, so I set a time. That was his next step. I set a time of what was going to happen next. Then share it. You can't do it on your own, Nehemiah, so let's share this task. And we'll, we'll come on to the rebuilding the walls uh, another time and, and how God used numbers of people to be part of this. And then... I guess the key step is to start it. <laughs> Just to start it. Start somewhere. And so at the end of chapter 2, we see that he just started it. Don't limit God's answers as to what he's done before or what you think you can manage or what we think is possible. But four months of prayer turns into four seconds of prophetic imagination to say, God, this is... This is what you have planned. Through an unlikely person, telling a powerful person what is on God's heart, and then watching the reality unfold. Want to see revival instead of rubble? Speak God's word. His perspective out with boldness. But then we have to turn it into practice. The rest of chapter 2... It's all about how to turn it into practice. Verse 11, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding. Use your eyes. Look around. Look around and see what's going on. If you want to turn this into practice, look around. Understand what is happening. Verse 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews, or the priests, or nobles, or officials, or any others who would be doing the work. Soften your heart. The Bible uses a word, well, the, the translation uses the word ponder. You know how Mary pondered all these things in her heart? 
And, and I think that, that's something that we, we can learn as well. We can learn to ponder things. It's one of those words where you say it more and more, it sounds more bizarre, doesn't it? Ponder. It's one of those words, isn't it? But we have to just pause a moment and just reflect on what we're doing. That's what Nehemiah did. I hadn't told anybody about it. I was, I was thinking about it. I was trying to think this through. And he could have got angry that the walls were knocked down. He could have got angry with the enemies for knocking them down. He could have got angry with lots of people for not repairing them in the, in the future. But he didn't. He stepped back and took a pause and took a breath and said, I'm just going to ponder this. <laughs> I'm going to think about it. And in that gap, all the anger and all the frustration of the past and maybe his own life began to dissipate. And the anger he could have directed towards other people, he actually just allowed God to take it and said, I'm going to choose to begin from here. It's never easy when inside we're screaming for, ju- for justice, but in the face of confusion and doubt and maybe hurt as well, and maybe regret and maybe anger, we can just take a step. And allow God to say, well, let's find an answer. Let's do something rather than allow all this to burden us more. Put it into practice, God says. That when he speaks, he's saying, there's a time to roll up your sleeves. Verse 20, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. We will start one brick at a time, to turn the rubble into a time of revival. As God, you use us for your glory and for your purposes. Speak to God about it. Speak to others about it. And shape the task. And see what God wants to do through you to see revival come, to see his will be done. His kingdom come and we'll be part of what it is he wants to do. So what is God laying on your heart? Is he laying something on your heart that you know you've heard about? Just like Nehemiah heard about the walls that you've heard about, you think, do you know what, maybe that's something I need to do something about. So start praying about it. Start coming into God's presence and saying, God, is this, is this something you want to use me for and then keep an eye out for the right time and an ear open when you can speak into it and turn it into action as well let's take a moment to pray shall we as we come to the end of our time here this morning I'm going to ask the musicians if they would just to come back up and help us to do that as well We pray together this morning. Come Holy Spirit. Renew my love for you, Jesus. Renew my vision as I pray. Speak your word. Renew your land. Use me for your plans and your purposes. So that your will is done. And that your kingdom will come. Thank you, Father.